Hello and welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Our goal at Owl Pellets is to help agriculture teachers like you find research-based solutions to the problems you face every day in the high school classroom and as you advise your FFA chapter. Here you will find practical tips for your agricultural classroom and interesting information to incorporate into your teaching. We invite the best agricultural education faculty and researchers from around the country to come and talk with us and share what they have learned. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from Oklahoma State University, and me, Brian Myers from the University of Florida. For more information on Owl Pellets, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and visit our webpage at owlpelletsforag.wordpress.com. That's owlpelletsforag, all one word, .wordpress.com. Well, hello, Owl Pellet World. We have another critical conversation today. A conversation, this is the first critical conversation that I just really don't have a stance on. It's just a complicated issue. And so today, we are going to talk about the very often discussed and written about concern for rural America called the brain drain. So as we look at, you know, a huge part of our population in ag ed is in rural areas. And so these students that are in rural areas and are in ag education, there's this con- there's this, this conflict between go to college, be successful, become something great, but then also leaving these rural towns, um, as many you know put out there, left without the talented kids. Mm-hmm. So what is ag ed's role in this? What does this issue mean to us? Do we address it? What do teachers think about this? Teaching in a classroom every day. Brian Myers, Kate Shoulders, and Marshall Baker, go. <laughs> well, I think one of the first things is to think about is what is the school-based ag ed's responsibility or opportunity to serve the community? And we go back to if there's a community, you know, we talk about the role of the community and go back to the, the handbook of ag ed, always talks about how the ag ed programs are supposed to be community-based and involved in the community. And I think some might argue that we might have gotten away from that a little bit, Um to do that, but then it goes back to how how does that ag program serve the community? And I go back and I think about the small school where I taught. I had an instant status in that community because I was the ag teacher because it was a small little town in rural Illinois, and with the role of the ag teacher, there was a certain status that went in there and an opportunity to have discussions and, and engage with community leaders. I know that's not always the case now, but where that is happening, how can the ag ed program and, and the ag teacher in particular step up? And that may be, a, you know, things are shifting a little bit as we're, as we're having ag teachers come and go from the profession a little bit more. They're not staying for 30 years or 20 years to do that. So that, that may be a, a bit more of a challenge. But I really think on everything else we're adding to the ag teacher's plate, we have to think about in addition to just teaching the kids and being the FFA advisor, how are they engaging with the community and how are they preparing their students to be community leaders wherever they go, whether they stay in that community or, or if, they, if they leave? It's, I think is one part of this question. The rest of it is, is a lot more complicated, I think. See, I think each ag teacher, I'm trying to think about when I was teaching, and I, I think I've seen this with others, 
that you oftentimes promote what what your route to success was because it worked for you. And so um, when you see kids, especially kids that are maybe seem similar to you, you encourage them to do something similar. So I know that if I had students that um, were bright, ambitious, were capable of uh, taking on, um, you know, successful careers that would require a four-year degree, I would push them to go to the university that I went to or other universities, but I know I knew the folks at Murray State where I went, and so I'd say, you got to talk, you know, if you want, I can set up some some meetings, you can go talk to these folks, and um, more than once I had pushback from parents who would say, my kid ain't going to college, I need him here, you know, and so, and, and I'd, I'd think, but, but, the, but the kid, you know, what's the kid want to do? And um, as we're talking about this, I, you know, you kind of think, well, I don't know if I asked them either. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that goes kind of both ways. And so you're talking about serving a community. I kind of think you've got to first and foremost, before you think about how your decisions, um, as far as what you're encouraging students to do, impact a community, you've really got to think about serving the students. That's what we're there for yeah. first and foremost. Um, and I don't know, that goes back and forth do you encourage a student to stay within their community um, or do you encourage them to go do something else there's a lot of this Marshall you'd found an article that talked about um, how Ivy League schools are now like specifically trying to identify the best and brightest in rural communities and pluck them out to attend Ivy League institutions Um, did you I didn't read the full article but did you see in it did it say anything about the rate to which or their whether or not the the universities intended for those students to go back to their rural communities well I mean so as we start the discussion I think it's important that specific article is basically saying these upper echelon schools are recognizing that they have forgotten this group this rural group um, and that in forgetting that rural group they neglected to train and develop um, these folks. And now, you know, they kind of imply that, you know, now politically and in all the, you know, they, they make the case that this, this voting base for Trump comes from these people that are overlooked. And, you know, they imply perhaps um, not as educated. And, mm-hmm. and so now let's, we've forgotten those people, let's bring them back. And I think that the idea generally is valiant, you know. I think they don't come from a bad place. They're saying, you know, one of the articles even said, I'm really glad we're no longer missing this piece of the population. But I think there is this underlying, you know, this Trump voter base that now we've got to get them to these schools so that they can go back and be more informed. And I think those of us that have been in ag education and have – seeing these students that that could really hold their own with anybody um, but just live in a different place uh, you know I, I think the story is a little different than maybe what the media you know turns it into so so for people listening the brain drain concept is that the most successful students in a high school are like you know one article said the one or two get plucked out and go to this big fancy university or go to any university and they're super successful and so that those that are very successful and have lots of aptitudes to help the small town go to the university and then go to a metro area where there's better salaries and better living and more amenities and they leave the rural areas and so you know this article in newsweek said um, since 1980 more than 700 rural counties 
um, have lost 10% or more of their population. And so in response, a lot of rural areas have started enacting these initiatives like giving land to people if they'll come back. And um, so, you know, amongst all these articles, they're just making this argument that rural America is is dying. It's it's just fading away. And how do we help preserve that? And so, um, you know, it's kind of it's been one of the biggest topics talked about lately. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, there's a couple of things you think about this on top of the of the brain drain we've also there's articles out there talking about the grain of america and how a lot of times in the rural areas um the the average age is getting much older because the people that are there are getting older and they're staying but the the younger population in there i can't remember the exact numbers or some of the research i was seeing but talking about the percentage of you know people, more people were leaving than were coming than were staying and getting older and so you know i, I just you know just spent a couple weeks back home in Illinois for for Christmas and saw that going through there and it's impacting the teachers in a different way other than just the, the students that we serve but school district school enrollments are dropping schools are consolidating and so there it boils down to there's fewer teachers needing to be employed in these programs uh, because of, of this of this problem as well so it, there's a there's a very tangible very real thing impacting night teachers in addition to the student service, the community service kind of thing that's, that's happening. Um, because you're seeing these different opportunities for kids when they do go out. And it's about, I also think the other, the other thing is playing is there was a big push. Every kid had to go to a four-year four degree. Every kid. And there's you know other research out there that you end up dividing some. And for those students that did not want to go get a four-year degree, they just completely disengaged from the educational system. And so you've got the ones in the four-year degree, then a lot of times they'll go off, <clears throat> but the rest of them are, are not engaging in that community and, and, and still doing the community leadership mm-hmm. that they need to have there. And so I think that maybe one role that we can have is making sure that all of our students understand that there's a place for them at the table, whether or not they want to go to a four-year degree or a six-month certificate or whatever they end up doing, but then also see the importance of engaging in the community leadership and being part of that community rather than just completely disengaging and being kind of pushed out of the system. Because I, I think that's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I don't think, I may not have the research to back that up, and that may just be a little bit more of a hunch. But when these, these students get pushed out of the system or feel disengaged, either they drop out of high school or they may graduate high school but not feel like they're part of that, not being valued, I think that hurts us as well. Mm-hmm. Well, along with that, when when you've got um, folks that have been pushed out of a system or overlooked and and felt unvalued by a system, they in turn can't value that system, right? So then, when they um, when when they're talking with their kids and instilling value in their kids, then you've got suddenly this new generation that's coming up with a lower value in the public education system because they said, well, they didn't help my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents didn't see success through there. They found their own success elsewhere. And so um, that kind of then fuels that um, that idea. Really, it's a brain drain. It's not a one level moves away. It is a brain drain. So, and then what do you do with that? I then struggle. You know, do you? The easiest answer is well, encourage them to come back, right? Encourage them to stay or encourage them to come back. But when there aren't the the um, you all know the. 
um, importance of having a career that you find personally fulfilling. Mm -hmm. If the opportunities aren't there in the rural communities for a student to come back, you know, if there aren't people that need a, you know, a whatever, if you don't need another taco stand Mm -hmm. and you want to be a taco stand operator, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go where they want more tacos, Mm -hmm. right? So if that's not in your community, what do you do? You can't encourage them to come back and stay just because you're really, really good for our community. might not be good for you. Who doesn't like tacos, right? (laughs) I mean, seriously, that's really great. Well... (laughs) I, I would have gone back to Bertalis okay. and made... Physicians, whatever. Yes. You know, you can come up right. with all sorts of examples. Well, one of these articles said that the research found in talking to these, these, these rural towns is that... And I remember this. I came from a class of 40. And so in my class, you know, there were, there were four or five that were identified as like, oh, man, you're going to be so successful. These are the... Oh, this, these are the really great kids. But there were a lot of really great kids in my class. Not to mention, half of those 40 were probably from migrant families. And, yeah. you know, kind of an ignored population. And this group says, you know, these rural schools don't have your football captain and your valedictorian and the three that everyone knows that you're going you're gonna to break free and go to Harvard, you know. In rural America, they, they tend to circle around some of these really outstanding students, and then they leave these other students that actually have more stay power. So it makes me think when I read this article, as an ag teacher, of course there are some kids that I really love that were just exceptional. But I think even training ag teachers. Sometimes I can find, when I'm training ag teachers, one or two that are just exceptional young men or women. But some of that next tier that aren't as flashy perhaps you know that they are going to have the stay power they're going to stay with it yeah and they're going to be gritty and they're going to be great ag teachers and i wondered as an ag teacher did i identify people that were those gritty um students that had stay power and did i tell them you know like everybody always says oh you're gonna you're gonna get out of this place you're gonna do great things and and it's implied that if you didn't achieve those things right. then you weren't gonna do great things yeah, which might be here. stay around yeah so I wonder as ag teachers could we not engage our kiddos in understanding the local challenges in their towns we know that research tells us if kiddos get engaged in their town and the workings of their town they become invested in it so if ag ed could help students understand, you know, in Throckmorton, Texas, they have a water problem. Mm-hmm. And they need an engineer to solve that water problem to forever solve the problem of that town. Wouldn't you be a great kid, Johnny? Yeah. Like, you could save Throckmorton's water problem. You know, I, I don't think I ever thought about that or invested yeah. in that. Well, the current SAE, we have already talked about this um, in another critical conversation about the new SAE program, and they've actually got that service, um, the community service component as an immersive SAE, which I find to be pretty exciting because there are opportunities both there and within the um, Ag Issues contest for students to really take ownership in the complex issues of their community and to really um, engage with the leaders in their communities so that they can kind of see that level of operation as far as what it takes to be a, a contributing member of a community. Well, you know, I think you hit on a very important thing 
it is again, it goes back to some things we said before about making sure that we we address the needs of every student every day. And you know, we all in our classrooms and every classroom out there, there are those students who are winning the FFA awards or doing all those kind of things. And if we were honest, those students in our classroom, our job as the ag teacher was just do no harm. That, that, yeah, that, get student, out of their way. that student was going to be successful, do great things, and hopefully we can help them along the way. But they're going; they were going to find a way to be successful with, without, with or without you. Yep. Luckily, they've decided to do it through school-based ag ed, and we get mm-hmm. to kind of go with them. There's that other group of folks that are those ones that are engaged, and in, in the and school-based ag ed and FFA can really make a big difference in their lives. And I think that we need to make sure that we are serving that group of students as well, and that we're not just picking the the two or three kids that are going to be on top of every single contest and be your officers all the time and whatever not not to push them aside not that they can engage but making sure we're paying attention to those other students who have other needs that may not be the ones that are going to win every single award you know, i think we all we all have these stories we remember the kids that we had that were every time the ag department door was open i had these these two boys who were always there and they, you know, I don't care what we were doing locally, they were there and organizing fundraisers or they were selling things, they were cleaning up, they were doing whatever else. Didn't do a single contest, never was going to win an FFA award at the regional whatever le- level. But I, I look back on my teaching career, I hope and I think I made a bigger difference in those two boys' lives than I did on any of the state or American degree winners we had, any of the other officers, yeah. because, you know, we, we were able to to serve them and give them a skill set and some confidence to, to, to build on. And so, you know, you talk about local things. I mean, where can we, we can always talk about food, food security. We can talk about water almost anywhere. And so we have an opportunity to, to, to raise gardens, to do those kind of things and engage in the community rather than just talk about it hypothetically about how do you grow better food or whatever else. Let's talk about the entire food system, what's happening in, in our in our particular community along that, yeah. that route. And Talk about motivation. That's going to that's going to increase motivation for the students to learn, as well as you're actually going to be meeting the the needs mm-hmm. of the community as well. Well, it's interesting. So, okay, let me throw out this this article, Wall Street Journal. In 2009, two Princeton sociologists selected eight colleges, and they found that for minority applicants, the lower the family's socioeconomic class, the more likely they were to gain admission. For white applicants, the opposite was true. Wealthier white applicants were three times as likely to be admitted as poor white applicants. Then in in that same study, they found that, now here's a real kick in the gut. They found that leadership roles in organizations popular in rural communities, I'm reading this from the article, leadership roles in organizations popular in rural communities, such as 4-H clubs, Future Farmers of America, and ROTC worked against the students who claimed them on their applications. Leadership in such groups, quote unquote, is associated with 60 or 65% lower odds of admission. Um, They found that if they went to college, they tended to go to their state schools or community colleges. And, And you know, that Wall Street Journal article, there's like, they kick you in the gut three times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this idea that, you know, the poor socioeconomic status white folks are not getting in. They bag on FFA and 4-H and 65% yeah. less acceptance rate. And 
Well, I guess if you're not good enough, you can just go to that poor little state school, which happens to be what all three of us work yeah, for. Yeah. Right. And, you know, University of Florida is one of the top 10 universities, public universities. Right. So what are all the challenges that we face? I mean, you know, we, we struggle to get the story out about ag, but we're also obviously struggling to get the word out about our kiddos and our colleges. Right. I think there's a, there's a second piece to that, too. Um, and I've read this twice now, both in the beginning of the article that you sent us and um, in the Hillbilly Elegy, mm-hmm. where once mm-hmm. a student gets admitted, their struggle is not over. They're put into this universe that does not recognize rural culture. And so mm-hmm. they get in there and suddenly the everything is different, right? And and as someone coming from, like, going opposite, right, I'm, I'm going against the rural brain drain and, and moved from the city to the country, um, that culture is a huge shock. And so I'm sure it's just a shock in going the other way. You can't understand what people are saying. There's different etiquette rules. I mean, I grew up thinking that if you called someone ma'am, it's rude because it implies that they're old. And then you go somewhere where suddenly I'm viewed as terribly rude for not calling someone ma'am. It's the total opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So there are these cultural things um, that they're thrown into and it's anticipated, you know, so they're saying, Harvard saying, we're really excited now that we're identifying these people and, and getting them in here. And then they're being dumped in there and saying, I have no idea what's going on because this is so, all so different from how I was raised. So I don't know. The, the only thing I can see with that, number one, I think the universities need to do some, some work with that as far as um, helping students be successful once they get there and not just getting them there. But the other side of that is, and I think this is where ag teachers can come in, Um, we have opportunities to take our students to see different things, right? When you go to, we made a point when I was teaching that when we went to national convention or state convention, we always ate at one place, one, the rest of the time we'd eat like cheap garbage because that's what everyone could afford. But we would take the students out one time to a place with tablecloths and cloth napkins Mm -hmm. so that they could all kind of see how that went and and operate that way. I mean, some of them had never been in a hotel that didn't have doors that opened up to the outside, Mm -hmm. right? So there there are pieces of that that we can expose them to as I teachers so they can see some of the differences when we are in a big city that it's not super scary, that they can survive there. I think it's I think it's important to to also note in this conversation that I could name 20 Harvard graduates that were ag ed rural America. So I think it's important for us also to recognize that if you're an ag teacher listening to this podcast, I think the argument or the discussion that we're having, we're not talking about your upper echelon. You know, they're going, they have potential to be successful. I think this podcast and this conversation really applies to that middle and lower strata that are in our ag chapters. That if I think about those, I was nice to them. I loved on them. I built relationships with them. I told them you can do great things. But I don't know if I viewed my job. I don't know if I took serious enough my job in reminding them that they really do have value and there's options there and there's options right here at home. And I, I really, I feel like we're talking about that mid and low strata in our classrooms. And these articles are saying, you aren't giving them the affirmation they need. And I, to me, that's the big thing from these articles is affirm the middle to lower strata. Well, I think the other thing too, we talk about the, the roles of our universities and, you know, and, and the, 
it's a little difficult to have this conversation again because again, luckily Florida, we had a goal to be in the top ten this last year. We we came in tied for ninth to do that, which is really really cool. But I look back again a thousand years ago. I just had my twenty fifth class reunion a couple years ago. So insert your old jokes there later on, Kate. <laughs> but you know, I went to a small-ish directional school in in Illinois instead of going to the University of Illinois or going to Cornell. I was accepted there, but you know, I went to Southern Illinois because that was that was the size I needed. And that was still really big coming from a, a high school of three hundred. You know, a class of sixty-eight in my graduating class. Yeah, to do that, but that's what I needed. To do that, and I can remember as an ag teacher, we probably all had these conversations. Even now, as as a faculty member, having those conversations with with kids, it's meeting the needs of the students. Sometimes they need to go to the four year school, and not everybody needs to go to an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. and not everybody needs to go to a four year school, at, even even at all or right away. You know, go to a community college. There's nothing wrong with that. That it should not be seen mm-hmm. as a consolation prize or a poor in status or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Because there's some really great things happening there, and and we've got to get away from putting on this this value on different things where everybody has to be doing the same mm-hmm. thing about where the, where they want to go, and you know, I have a senior in high school right now, and one of his best buddies in the world is going to a welding school right now, and that is what he needed to do. He's going to be extremely happy and it's extremely successful doing that. If somebody would have forced him. To go to a four-year school, it would have been a disaster for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all have seen, we've seen those students. I mean, we know what they end up looking like on our end when right. they end up being forced to go to school and how long they last and how they succeed. Well, all of our campuses are filled with students who don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to them, okay, what, what is your, you know, we're talking to high school students now, what is your career goal? Well, my career goal is to get into the University of Florida. Okay, that's great. That's not a career, but that's, that's great. Okay, that's so after after you get in, what's your career goal? Well, then my career goal is to get into to medical school or veterinary school. That's not quite a career either, but whatever else. Well, why do you want to be a veterinarian? Why do you want to be a physician? Well, like I've always said, I, I should go. Well, why? Yeah. And so we have to make sure that we're we're finding out ways to make sure we're meeting the kids' needs, whether that is staying in the rural area or going or going out somewhere, so that they know. Mm-hmm. And then the other the other aspect to throw into this, I think, which really clouds the conversation nationally, is I think there's some regional differences. When you look at the data, the the, the population drain is very very different between Midwest, Upper Midwest, and the South and the West. I think there's a lot of differences that are happening mm-hmm. there, and so it's really hard to have this national conversation because once again politics gets involved. And so how do we how do we really do this? And so I think it is important for the for the ag teacher because of that status we get into that local community so so often and the way that we're able to work with students in most cases for multiple years we're not like we don't just teach english one and get them all there we're, we're seeing these kids for multiple years we can we can form that relationship with them but the neat part is it's not just geographical it's also subject specific right so for the ag teacher those students that are interested in ag in a rural community they're more likely to come back than students that are in, um, so we in our universities within Arkansas, we looked at um, the different majors and like if you were apparel, you're less likely to go back to a rural ta- community. But if you were, you know, any, any kind of ag related item other than vet science, you were more likely to go back. So, you know, there are, there are things there for the ag teacher. I mean, they might be one of the, the 
the people that see the, the greatest percentage of students that are likely to engage as leaders within a community. And so that's actually, an ag teacher can think that they've got a pretty hefty role as far as working with the future leaders of that community, strictly because their students are more likely to come back to a rural community than maybe some others. Well, I, it's just a tough topic. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether you're from rural America, rural America, America, <laughs> as I am, uh, brain drain happening. If you're from rural America, or if you're not, but you understand and appreciate it, it is such a integral part of our culture and our history and I was raised in a small town and went to a small school and you know I think we all hate to read these articles that these rural towns are just crumbling mm -hmm. you know 10% it doesn't take long for those towns to be gone so hopefully we as ag educators and in, in you know in a million different facets can start to we are a we serve rural students I mean we do we serve a lot of others, but a lot of our population is in rural America. Mm -hmm. And many times these towns, the Ag Ed chapter is, is one of the big sparks of, yes. of vitality in these rural towns. So you Ag teachers that are living in these rural towns, you are such a change agent in those towns. So I think it warrants our discussion of this brain drain conversation is happening and what is our role in that. I don't know if we have any answers, yeah. but I think... No, but it's important, I think, to make folks aware of it, particularly ag teachers, because of the number of students that they see. Well, and I think you hit on there is, when we're talking to students about their careers and where they want to go, we need to help them find what's right for them, rather than, and I probably did this too when I was talking to kids, pretending we know the answer and say, no, you need to get out of here. You need, you know, this mm -hmm. is what you need to do. We can present them with opportunities, mm -hmm. but help them find the right fit rather than thinking we know the best answer or mm -hmm. the only way that you're gonna you're gonna make us proud is if you leave and go do something. Or stay. Or that stay. Works the same way. Yeah. yeah. You would be so good for here. Don't yeah. go, dude. Don't go to that big city. You would be so good here. Right. Maybe it's maybe the community's not a good fit for them. Yeah. You know, so often we take them to the university and show them what these jobs look like, or take them to the big town, or take them to a national convention. Mm -hmm. But you know, I wonder how many times do we bring local, intelligent entrepreneurs in these small towns into the ag chapters and say, look what success can look like in this rural town. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do a better job showcasing that. Yep. Well, we love rural communities. It's it's the heartbeat of kind of where our organization began. So it's important to think about that. I thought we had like a Dodge or Chevy sponsorship <laughs> there for a minute. Uh, GMC. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> this is where we, we like. We this do? is where we drop rocks into the back of a GMC, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it looks like doesn't hurt it at all. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll pay for that buzz marketing too. Yeah. <laughs> well, ag teachers, you're you're out there in the field. What do you see? What are your concerns? How for those of you ag teachers that are in rural schools, how do you see this issue? Um, affecting you and your ag chapters. Share that. If you're listening to this podcast, jump on and let's hear some feedback of what is happening in your rural towns. And do you feel that they are, the vitality is there and are kids interested? And what, what's your take on that? Please jump in this conversation. I, that root, that grassroots level is, is important. All right. I think that's it. Thanks for joining in for this conversation. If you get a chance, check out our podcast, check out our website, our um, the, the WordPress, the blog, the, the Facebook posts. Um, we're trying to take research and get it into a form that you guys can use. So thanks for being a part of our community. 
And we will talk to you again soon. From Brian, Kate, and Marshall in St. Louis, Missouri, we are out. Invest in your potential by enrolling in a graduate program designed with you in mind. Complete your Master of Science in Agricultural Education and Communication in just two years while working, all without ever having to step foot on campus. The University of Florida is leading the way with innovative online courses delivered by award-winning faculty. Apply today to find out why it is truly great to be a Florida Gator. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate and Marshall, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thanks and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.